We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. And welcome back to another episode of the Golden Bearcast, where we run you through all of the California Golden Bears news and everything that you need to know and stay in the know about. This episode particularly is brought to you by Bet Online and Deal Dash, but we'll get to that later. I'm Rob Huang, one of your co-hosts alongside me is always best friend of mine, Andy, is on the other side with a brand new mic setup. Andy, how you doing? What's up, what's up? Yeah, the mic is the mic is nice, although I'm glad you said setup because the mic is old, but the mic is nice. <laughs> I mean it's a far upgrade in terms of audio quality uh from what the other ones were just like headset microphones right as you said it's butter on toast it is it sounds like butter my ears are melting right now it's beautiful <laughs> it's beautiful um but yeah i mean we haven't potted in a while i think the last thing we potted about was uh some recruiting stuff uh in a few months like a month ago i think or like a two month a month and a half ago but I mean, we have some stuff to talk about, so I don't think we should dilly-dally. We should get right into it, right? We've got the new 2020 schedule out, uh, approved by the Pac-12. Andy, you and I both have the uh, the calendar up right now. Um, week one is scheduled to start on September 26th, and then would go every single week uh, until December 12th, which is an open week. Uh, so that teams could reschedule games if need be, and I'll go over that later. Uh, and then week 13, which is would be the championship game, and that would be home-hosted. That won't be hosted at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. Uh, and so it'll be whoever is, I, but I believe, the higher seed in terms of uh, record, and it would be either played on the 18th or the 19th of December. The reason the December 12th week is open is because week one, week two currently is designated uh, as weeks that can shift so that you can place one of those weeks down into the open week so that they could push back 
the start of the season uh, by a week or so if they really want if they really needed it to. So currently, Cal's schedule sits at uh, we start the start the season on September twenty sixth away at Oregon State, then away at SC, then home against UW, then away at Washington State, then the big game happens on the twenty fourth of October, then we have a bye week. Um, and then we go to Oregon, or sorry, we host Oregon, then we go to Arizona, then we host Utah, then we go to Arizona State, and then we host UCLA in a Friday night game to end the season. Andy, before we get into the Cal side of things, I need your take on like what all that tr- transpired and the Pac-12 schedule as a whole. Do you like the 10-game schedule? Do you like how they have it all set up? Like, What are your takes on it? So let me begin by saying that I think there's absolutely zero possibility that a season gets played this year. So glad I just wanted to start off on that very positive, happy note. There's zero <laughs> chance that football is played on September 26th. Zero, none. Look at the MLB. The NCAA might rival Major League Baseball for how horribly run it is. There's no chance that the NCAA is going to be able to do this with college kids on campus who play tackle football, period. It's not going to happen. So that's 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 my very, very nice, warm and fuzzy intro. However, I like the 10-game schedule. I mean, do I like it? Be- like, there's a lot less games on here where you're, like, the previous schedule was like, okay, you could kind of map out your wins and losses really easy. This is not, I mean, Oregon State week one is not the cakewalk matchup that you would ordinarily say that Oregon State is. Like their offense is a problem and our defense is reloading. So that immediately presents a tough first week matchup. And then, oh, by the way, enjoy USC the following week. And oh, if you didn't like that enough, it's Washington following that up. And then maybe you write off Washington State as just being really bad this year, who also might not have a head coach. So, yeah, your first kind of W that I would write on the schedule might be Washington State. Uh, and then Stanford, you know, right after that is, is a winnable game. And then you're talking about Oregon, Arizona's a win, but then Utah. So it's like Oregon, Sandwich, Arizona, and then tough game, Utah, ASU, toss-up, and then UCLA win. I mean, it's a hard, it's a hard schedule. Like, whereas the other one, you're kind of like, well, we were going to play like BYU and no, is that right? I don't, I can't no. remember, TC, dude. TCU, <laughs> TCU, sorry. Cal Poly. <laughs> it's been so long since I've worn this hat. Anyways, TCU, uh, Cal Poly, and uh, we were going to play UNLV, right? Uh, yep. To kick off the, the season. So a lot more that you could kind of count you're like oh right, we had three you know three wins so we only need three more bowl, like wins in order to become bowl eligible and then you add an additional two or three on top of that with you know the optimistic folks saying that Chase Garbers takes a really noticeable step this year this is a lot harder for me to do that like i it's a i could see us going 3 and 7 as easily as us going 7 and 3 curious to get your thoughts no, I I think uh, I think you're absolutely right. I, the schedule, in a weird way, has turned into a gauntlet. <laughs> like, 
Like going to going to SC, then coming home to play Washington, and then you get the big game, and then you got a bye week, and then you immediately have to host Oregon. Which, in a weird way, is kind of nice because I believe Oregon plays Washington the week before. So, like, you play Oregon, Oregon plays Washington in that while we have our bye week, and then they have to come off that game and play us. So, kind of hoping that you know maybe uh, there's a little bit of room for us, but we technically haven't been that great coming out of bye week. So, you know, there is that. That being said, I think I think the one thing that a lot of people aren't talking about is the fact that we have to travel to Arizona twice in three weeks. We have to travel to Arizona November 14th, come home, play Utah that next week, and then travel back to Arizona to play ASU. Like, I I don't understand how that came about. (laughs) Like, I'm I'm just baffled that you would, like, send a... Like, why not just have it back-to-back and have them just stay in the state at that point, right? Um, It's... It's weird that you would force them to travel back. So, but yeah, yeah I don't know. Can you? Yeah. <laughs> I can see both sides of it. It's like, all right, can you get college kids to stay in a hotel room <laughs> by themselves for a week straight? <laughs> like, dude, I don't know. But at I the mean, same time, you're hoping that they do that. You're hope you're hoping that they do that if they're at home too. Right. That's where I think it fails, yeah. you know? And and then also we've already seen the failure of just the fraternities at like USC and some of these places where even Cal too. There was Yeah, and Cal exactly had that breakout. So it's it's the odds of this happening are so I know like I feel bad like maybe I'm just being too negative on it, but like the the odds of this happening to me are just like astronomically small. I'm on, and it's like I, it's August 5th. Like, yeah. We're talking about uh, six weeks from now that we're going to be watching a college football game with students that are living on campus. I'm actually uh, like one step like in the other direction from you. Not too far away. I actually think the season will start on time. I just don't think we'll get to finish out the season. Like MLB? Yeah. I mean, MLB is on that case. I, I honestly believe that we'll somehow start the season, and that's why the season's so front-loaded in terms of big marquee games, like the Cal SC game, and then I think uh, UCLA plays SC in week one. Uh, there's like a bunch of those. Like Washington plays Stanford in week one. There's And the, what's the Territory Cup for Arizona and Arizona State? That's in week one. <laughs> so there's a lot of like good marquee matchups within the first two weeks, and I think they purposely set it up that way because they realize you might not be able to finish out the season. <laughs> So, I mean, that's that's my take on it. Um, I, I mean, what do you think? Who, in your mind, do you think has the hardest schedule? Just looking across the board. So, well, we don't get Colorado, right? So, anyone that kind of has Colorado gets a big benefit because Colorado is supposed to be the worst or if not kind of tied for the worst in the conference yep. with Washington State um, it's us in I believe we're the only school that doesn't have Colorado yeah yeah we are yep <laughs> <laughs> it's 
So, unlucky one there. Tough break, boys. But we do get Arizona, so, you know, and we know uh, how... Arizona's bad. ...how much struggles they've had, so... So, I mean, off the top of my head, I was looking at Stanford's first three games, like Washington, Arizona State, and SC. Like, that's a pretty rough back-to-back-to-back. And then you get Cal coming out of a bye week. Uh, But then they sort of lighten up where you have, like, Washington State, UCLA. And I do think getting Oregon State late in the season is a big difference than getting them early. Because, you know, when you have those offenses that Jonathan Smith can come up with, it's like... It, it's. I always feel like the first game, the first couple of games, is where those type of offenses can really like catch you off guard. But then after you've kind of seen it, you get used to it. Then people kind of catch on, and it becomes a little bit easier to game plan against. So I, I just still think that's like a tougher matchup for us week one than people will give us credit for. Uh, well, I think the flip side of your Oregon State argument would be that they're breaking in a new starting quarterback. That true. would be. That'd be the other side of that argument that Oregon State might actually be a better matchup early on because that quarterback has, is whoever it becomes is going to have no idea what he's doing yeah I mean that's fair for sure I, I definitely see the other side of that coin I'm just maybe I'm trying to give us some extra room just in case it doesn't <laughs> go our way but that's that's you know this just looking at it, just trying to be optimistic. So I think that I think that first stretch from Stanford is as arguably as tough as as anybody. I mean, you could also look at Washington State, which is like, like Utah and Oregon back to back to start off the season, and then a gift in UCLA, and then Cal, and, and then then they're hit with Stanford, SC, Arizona State, Oregon State, Washington, and then Colorado. Not easy by any stretch of the imagination. Um, SC starts off with UCLA, so I automatically think that's easy. And then they also get Colorado. You see, SC probably has one of the easiest starting schedules of anybody with UCLA, Cal, Stanford, Colorado, Arizona. Yep. That's, that's probably the easiest, even though I'm, we're obviously high on Cal this year. Yeah, they're either going to start the season 5-0 and or 4-1. and like I don't see them doing anything beyond that. Like, I'm and then they get hit with the gauntlet at the end, which is like Oregon, Arizona State, Utah, and Washington. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness, that's rough back to back. Yeah, I mean, they could end up they could end up starting the season six and zero, and then end up six and four. So here's the big thing too, like Oregon, <laughs> Oregon's big advantage of playing at Autzen is the home crowd. Yeah. So you automatically take that out. So any Oregon road game becomes just as easy to win as an Oregon home game. Yep. There's no difference whatsoever. And so that's a really interesting aspect because there really isn't... I don't know if I could say there's really a home field advantage that's similar to what Oregon has in the rest of the conference. You know, We've basically been able to win everywhere else except for at Oregon. And now you know you don't have that. So that would be also interesting to kind of kind of see it's lame that we get them at home this year like this would be the perfect year to like get all of those uh you know good away games out of it <laughs> like yeah those losing yeah. streak away games yeah it'd be great yeah i think uh, you you bring up an absolutely good point that a home field advantage is basically being thrown out the door um you're playing at your home stadium but you have no crowd so you you can't like build off of that energy um, nor can the crowd eliminate 
like opposing teams, right? Like you do at Watson. So I think the only other thing that might deter any team is probably going to Colorado, right? Because you get the altitude. That's probably the only like field factor that's out of all of the Pac-12 teams. Utah, Utah would have the same altitude, right? Right, right. Utah would have that too. Uh, so you'd have that altitude issue, but that's like the only. Those are like the only like home field advantages that you'd have for for both teams. Yeah, um, it's crazy. Um, I just looked at Utah's first four. That's probably the easiest. Yeah, Washington State, Colorado, Oregon State, UCLA, by Arizona. <laughs> Well, that's a joke. That's amazing. That's Who a, drew that one up? Yeah, that's, that's a five incredible. And start. <laughs> yeah, that's... Like you can't you can't have anything other than a five and zero start. But then their their final five games is brutal, brutal, brutal. Going to Arizona State, then hosting UW, then coming to Berkeley, then going to UC USC, and then going to Autzen. <laughs> no home home against Oregon. Oh, home. Sorry. Hosting SC and then hosting Oregon. And that doesn't SC game matter. For Friday night game, too. ASC, Washington, Cal, SC, Oregon. Brutal. Brutal. I just realized, too, that if you look at week 10, there are four Friday night games. I don't know how you're going to do Wait. that. But no, no, no. Yeah. If you look at week 10, SC. Goes on against each other? Yeah, okay, so there's three. So the SC-Utah game is a Friday night. Then you have UW, Washington State. Okay, sorry, there's two. Oh, there's two. There's yeah, two. There's, there's two. two. <laughs> oh, thank God. Okay, I thought yeah. I had – I thought I was – I was like, oh, my God. Did they put, did they plan out four Friday night games? I mean, you never know. Oh, God. But what's really interesting here also is this gray slash with the stripes, which means if for whatever reason – that the first week is postponed, they're going to push all those first week games into the bye week. So then your schedule for Cal starts off with SC. And, oh, by the way, if that's too early, well, guess what happens to that game? That game gets scheduled into week 12. So then Cal would start off with Washington, then go Washington State, Stanford, into Oregon State, then Oregon, Arizona, Utah, ASU, UCLA, SC to finish <laughs> with no breaks, dude. These kids are gonna die. Like, what? Who is who is thinking about these things? Like, I think their is... best case scenario is that they're hoping that only one of the like first two weeks gets pushed, right? That's like their hope. Yeah, they they didn't plan for more than that, so that's why I think. I mean, if it gets pushed three weeks, I think the whole schedule's done. Right, and. But they also, I they did say in that like uh, press conference, basically they have the week twelve open so that let's say everything starts on time, but let's say in week seven, like Colorado is supposed to play UW and their their game, and there's a breakout right by one of the teams uh, in terms of COVID nineteen, then what they'll do is they'll push that that game into the week twelve spot. So I think. Like I, I don't understand fully how they're gonna dev, like go into week one, week two, but I'm assuming that if they needed to push back the start date, they wouldn't they wouldn't do it by region. It'd be they just scrap the whole week one and and push it. 
down, in my opinion. Yes. You want to do it by game by game basis at least the first two weeks because you want like at least a uniform start. Yeah, so, I totally agree. I, I I think that if anything goes wrong, but you know, it, you're just the logistics of this. Okay, so one person tests positive on the Cal football team. So COVID symptoms take how long 14, to go away? Fourteen. No well, one. fourteen days to possibly show up and then you have unknown on how long it takes to go away yeah so so that person has to quarantine and then you risk possibly you know the asymptomatic exposure well the entire team would have to get tested first right and then you figure out who's <laughs> right. positive who's negative so then it's like negative. it's just it just becomes all right so what do you do and then you pull in do you let's say you have twenty guys that test positive? Yeah, you know, it's like seems reasonable after what's happened so far with Clemson and Rutgers. some other yeah Rutgers. So okay, let's say twenty star like twenty kind of upperclassmen test positive. So now what? You pull twenty guys off of redshirting and they're playing now. Is that what happens? So then you play like with twenty redshirts or twenty like underclassmen who aren't ready to play football games. And then what happens to them because they don't have as much like muscle built up from years of development do they go into a football game and then get hurt and risk their career to play in a season that's already risky as it is and to pick to play for free like that's just like the compounding elements of this become so weird to me that we feel like we need to subject these kids to to this for entertainment's sake and that that comes from like me like i love watching cal football i loved watching cal football when quarantine started when we were doing those watch those throwbacks and like watching all those games it it was great but is it worth it for like a college kid like to get hurt and like have their career like potentially risk the rest of their growth and career on that like that, uh, that it just, you know, it's tough. It's different. It's not like the MLB where you have like minor league systems that you can kind of pull from or, you know, the ability of, as you said, like pressing pause. You can't really press pause for two. Like you can't do what they've done with the Marlins. It's like, oh, the Marlins are, or like the freaking Tigers or whoever. Like my whole fantasy baseball team that just doesn't play any games anymore. <laughs> you can't do that in college football. So, it just sort of becomes this really interesting equation that I'm not totally sold, you know, of, and it is one of those things as you kind of go in and you look at league by league, okay, who can do this well? Well, it's very clear the NBA has pretty good leadership. I'm not going to say great. I'm just going to say pretty good. Don't want to be super controversial. They have pretty good leadership, and they've done it in a great way, but they've also done it in a way that is uniquely basketball, because of team size, because of the fact that they're ex- that the sport can exist in a arena, because of the fact that Disneyland has <laughs> Disney World has just everything you would ever need to survive, <laughs> right? So that's that makes sense to me. But what doesn't make sense is what baseball's tried to do, which is travel, team loose team restrictions. And then you're talking to professional athletes who, by the way, those professional athletes for the St. Louis Cardinals 
drove to a casino and went to a casino knowing that they could possibly get exposed to COVID-19. And now you're putting that level of faith into 18 to 22 year olds. Yeah. Tell me I'm crazy, Rob. Tell me I'm crazy. I, I think it, I, I'm going to have to say I agree, but I also have to – I think we also have to put an onus on the coaching staff, right? Because let's be honest. We already know that the leadership from, like, the NCAA, not great. Like, there's no uniformity at all. From each conference, there's no uniformity at all. Each conference is basically handling it however they deem fit, right? Um, and from the Pac-12's perspective, I think they've done a decent job. Um, not like totally, totally like gung-ho, but in in trying to protect all their players. But I think they've done a couple things right at the very least. So it, it so then what does it come down to? It comes down to your coaching staff. It comes down to how your program is kept accountable, like within the program, um, and. That's where I think the biggest question lies is can all pro- can all the pro participating programs like buy into this thing of it's going to suck like yeah you're not going to be able to go out and party like you're not going to be able to do out and you know other things but if you want to play the sport this is what you're going to have to do um, and hopefully you've built up enough of an environment that allows for that to happen you know, the flip side of this is what, you know, I sent you that article, I think I did, about what's happening at Colorado State, right? There's, like, players, right. and people saying that the coaching staff has told the players, like, don't, like, report if you have any COVID-19 sim- symptoms um, and such. And, like, that's terrible leadership from the coaches. So, like, as as much as we, we like, point the finger at, like, 18 22 year olds and just are like can we stop them from going out and like making stupid decisions but like there's also coaching staffs that aren't looking for the best interests of their players um and so totally that's like I, you have to take that into account but let's get back to the point which is i mean because we're a cal podcast we got to talk about cal do we think that cal has that i certainly do um and you know in the next podcast we're going to be talking about the uh the we are united uh pac-12 uh players uh stuff but you know it's clear that a lot of the cal players understand um like the the situation understand the repercussions of their actions if they were to go out and um expose themselves or add more risk for exposure about uh COVID-19 and I think that They've built enough of a good environment at Cal uh, under Coach Wilcox and actually the entire athletics department as a whole. Um, yeah. They've been very, very good at just like, hey, we like, we're trusting the science here. Like, we're trusting the health officials. Like, we're going by everything that they're saying. Like, we're not trying to cut any corners here. And I f- fully believe the players are on board with that as well. So, like, that's my only hope. Um, is that all of the programs and all the players like buy into that and you've built up enough trust that you can trust like the words that coach is saying um, that it's not just like him trying to look out for himself but just like for for everyone's sake so I think I mean I think it's a great point that of course I have a lot of faith in the student athletes that we have I think they're really smart and intelligent 
but I also have a lot of smart and intelligent friends that aren't following the best advice oh, for yeah. COVID nineteen. You know, yeah. And it's like they're young and doing really well and went to Cal, and yet, you know, it's not being thought about or treated in a way that you would expect. And I think the hard time isn't like, hey, I can't go party. Like, I understand that, you know, I have an obligation to not do that. But it's like, hey, my girlfriend has a cough. What's the right thing for me to do? Is it to let her come over and hang out because I care about her and I want to take care of her? Or do I have to make sure that they're quarantined so that I can protect everybody else? That's the decision that's way harder. It's not the oh, yeah, like, I can't go drink. Like, you can drink with your friends on the football team. But it's like, okay, somebody I care about in my life is sick, and now I have to choose whether I need to take care of them or want to see them or, you know, isolate myself so that I can play football. And those decisions are tough because you're just forcing people to choose between things that they want to do and human nature. So Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, there's a bunch of players even on our on our team that have families right and right. like if you're if you're going to choose to play football you know for let's say you're let, let's just say you're a senior right and like I don't know they haven't really come out and said what they're going to do about eligibility uh, if like let's say they play the season and like halfway gets cancelled like you get another season of eligibility but regardless like you're trying let's say you're trying to make the NFL you're trying to get to that next level to like support your family and stuff then what's the what's the play here like if you decide to play because you're looking forward to your future then do you quarantine yourself from your family like you know uh some of these like the MLB and uh the NBA like that they're doing but at the same time like they're college students so like they might they might not have the means to do so so you're like asking them to choose between risk of exposure to not only themselves but also to their family yep whilst trying to weigh like what's the best position for me to put myself for like the future of my career and how to make you know some means for my family so like there's so many like factors that go into the decision making um, yeah that's why dumb takes about how if you're you love the sport and if you're <laughs> tough and all those things then you'll play football this year those are just dumb takes so if you if there's people out there that are making those takes just write them off as dumb because it doesn't take into reality of the world that we live in and that people live in so absolutely I, yeah I totally agree well, as as a kind of serious as that is, I think this is might be a perfect time for us to go in to our sponsors for the episode. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and prop bets to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, BetOnline sat down with former players like Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, I've met him, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they call Fandemic. 
Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auction items every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0, and it only goes up by one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. So, if you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code BLUEWIRE or DealDash.fm backslash BLUEWIRE. That's DealDash.fm backslash BLUEWIRE. All right, and we're back. And to close out this podcast, we have some questions uh, from our listeners. But also, I wanted to get Andy's, and or actually myself and Andy, uh, to get our predictions. If this season were to happen on schedule with all these games, where do you see us finishing and how do we finish? Like, what's our win-loss here, Andy? Man, you go first. Oh, man. Okay. So I have it divvied up by home and away games. I think that's the best way to kind of do this. At least personally. So let's go. We have our home games in UW, Stanford, Oregon, Utah, UCLA. Um, I think we win three out of those. I think we beat UW. I think we beat Stanford. And I think we beat UCLA. I think we lose to Oregon and Utah. Our away games, Oregon State, SCU, Washington State, Arizona, ASU. I think we beat OSU. Then we lose to SC, we beat Washington State, we beat, and then we beat both Arizona schools. I hate that we have to play in the Air- state of Arizona twice because that that land is forsaken for any Cal football games. Uh, but I think, yeah, uh, so what is that? Three and three, so six and four. That's exactly what I was going to say. Wait, did you call OSU a loss? I said OSU a win. And then Washington State a loss? Uh, Washington State win. Sorry, that's uh. So, so you had only two wins from the home games. I thought you had three. I, had three wins. I think you're Sorry, seven, and three. seven and three. I'm seven and three. Okay, so then let me throw my little salt. I think it's going to be six and four, and I know I suck because I've been super down this whole <laughs> podcast. But I just, I just don't know. You know, like I still think this was the season that Cal could have won, pushed like nine or ten wins in a regular year. But this is a not a regular year, and that just makes things so much tougher. I do think we'll win the big game, and so the season will then be a success. And even if we only won one game, it would be a success. So I do think we get we maintain and retain the axe. A sleeper pick. I kind of like us beating Oregon. My friends from Oregon have been talking a lot of smack. Some of them might listen to the podcast. Yeah, I think we get that win. Not um, not too concerned there. But I, I don't know about – express some concern about Oregon State. Uh, I do think Washington State's a win, and then I think it's a coin flip like ASU. Dude, Jane Daniels, I can't forget that. Jane Daniels is so good. 
uh, second year Jaden Daniels, he might be pretty scary. So six and four. Okay, there you have it. Six and four from Andy. Seven and three from me. Uh, let's move on to some of our fan and listener questions. We got four today. First one is: What stretch of games appear to be the toughest? Are there any games you'd want to move around if you could? You got any, Andy? I mean, I think we all. I think the two of us agreed. Stanford's first three games are is arguably the toughest go. Um, because you have to travel to Washington, then travel to Arizona State, and then come home to play SC. That's that's rough. Uh, but Utah's final five games also is ridiculously difficult. Yeah. I think if I could, maybe I would move like Oregon State with Arizona. Start the season with Arizona. I just am convinced that someone's a really bad coach. And, you know, we our DB coach was there on someone's staff. And so I think that, you know, I think that we would have the advantage against Arizona pretty easily. Versus, and then putting Oregon State later because of the reasons I've outlined before. Uh, and I know that's kind of funny. But that's, yeah, that's sort of what I'm feeling. Because then you're, all right, so then you're Arizona, then SC. Then I'm wondering if, like, maybe you would break up the SC Washington back-to-back. And see if you could move that around. Maybe move, like, I do like Washington early. So maybe it's just like switching to L.A. schools. Play UCLA up, like, in the USC spot. Sounds about right. And then put USC at the end. Yeah, I think, uh, I am i don't know about you, but I'm super curious to find out what the restrictions were when they threw this into, like, the algorithm, like, you know, the computer. Like, what, what certain restrictions that they put on each team or, like, in the thing. Because I think I know one of the things is that you can't play a Friday night game, co- or you don't have uh, another. You what was it? You don't have another away game coming off of coming off, or you don't have a Friday night game coming off of an away game. That's one of the restrictions. Um, so I we have uh, we have a Friday night game coming off of an away game. We we do. <laughs> that's strange okay well that that was thrown out the door <laughs> no, hold on there's gotta be something there there's gotta be something wait it's gotta be one of those there's gotta be something with it right yeah it's like something about friday night games and like or is it you can't you don't have an away game after a friday night game no but that doesn't make sense because you'd have an extra day to prep uh, what was it? Oh, man, Larry Scott said that in the in the press conference. All right, I'll find it for you. I have the entire thing recorded, okay. so we'll find it and we'll get back to you. Um, moving on to some other questions. Does a shortened season give a relative advantage to teams with less depth? If if so, how does that affect the outlook for different teams and units within the conference? Do you want to take this one? So okay, let's, let's take the question in isolation. Yeah. Does a short does a shorter season help teams to teams with less depth? Maybe, right? Maybe, but does it's not just a shortened season? It's it's the fact that there's injury risk, COVID risk is so easy to get. So I actually think having depth here could be super important because of kind of what we talked about before so you're not pulling up a bunch of really really young guys i mean everybody remembers back when uh was it 2013 when we lost every single player to injury yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> we were just running out anybody that could put on a football uniform to play a defense for us. Like that's what it's going to be like if you have 17 guys go down because of COVID and you have to pull them up for whatever reason, if that's the way they're going to play the season. So I think in theory, yes, short season, assuming everything else in the world is normal, yeah, might give an advantage to teams that have less depth. Um, at the same time, I think you're ch- more challenged because if you don't have that depth in a short season uh, and then on top of it, you're, pl- you're playing more of a grueling schedule in the Pac-12, whereas you don't get those easier games by playing out of conference, um, you know, you, there's higher chance of injury in all the things that happen. Like you think about Cal schedule, like we've started off the season every year, really strong out of conference. And then we go into Pac-12 play and someone's hurt and, you know, we lose a bunch of games and then we come back and, you know, it's just all over the place when we get into conference play. So I think the conference play aspect of it is almost a complicating factor as well. What do you think, Rob? Um, I, I'll give a short answer because we got some other questions to get to, but I think, I don't think relative advantage is the right word. I think it evens the playing field a little bit because, uh, you know, if you don't have the depth, like, later on in the season, if you have injuries uh, or if they have injuries, like, they're able to supplement it. But because it's also a shortened season, the – I don't – yeah, I don't have the, the science to back this, but I would I would assume that the likelihood of injury is a little bit less because you're playing less games. Um, and with that, that means that you're, if your starters aren't hurt, then you're able to play your starters more. And if you don't have the depth, then definitely you want your starters out there, not your backup guys. So, yeah. But this also doesn't take into account that you need the depth because, and you brought up a good point about COVID, with the fact that we still don't know how many of these guys are going to uh, not play this year. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that hasn't been, like, calculated yet. So... That's like another big factor that we we're not even talking about. Yeah, great point. All right, uh, two more uh, thoughts on the timing of the big game. It's been played in October before, back in 2012. Do you think the season will actually happen? I think you already gave your take on whether the season will actually happen. But <laughs> what are your what are your thoughts on the timing of the big game? Dude, October big games are the worst. <laughs> Let me go into why. The 2012 game, I believe Andrew Luck was still in college, and we got absolutely destroyed, demolished. I was there in person, so not a fan. In addition addition to that, the big game is meant to be in November. It's meant to be right around Thanksgiving, and it determines whether or not you are going to have a happy Thanksgiving or a sad Thanksgiving. And we've had sad Thanksgivings for a lot lately. Nine years worth of sad Thanksgivings. But last year was delicious. Delicious. And those are really my my points about why <laughs> it's the worst. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm going to defer to you on that question. But I, the last one's actually a pretty fun one, so I think we'll talk about that for a little bit. So here we go. Since no fans will be in the stands or in the stadium for home games this year, what are your thoughts of, what are your thoughts of fans viewing the game from Tightwad Hill? Do you foresee the city of Berkeley and University allowing for socially distanced viewing from above the stadium? If so, will you join? So let me preface that by saying Larry Scott did say in the press conference uh, earlier last week um, that they're going to defer to or they're comfortable deferring to local health officials when it comes to fans in the stands. 
So we'll see how that plays out. But if we're under the assumption that uh, fans will not be in the stands, what are, you, what are your thoughts on people watching for Titan Hill? And do you think that the city of Berkeley and the university will allow people to watch from Tightwad Hill? You have to go first. I have to go first on this? All right. Um, Absolutely. I think it'd be it'd be cool. Uh, Cal's one of the unique places where you can actually watch every single home game for free if you decide to make the trek up to Tightwad Hill. Um, so it's it's a very unique thing. Now, do I think they'll let it happen? Ooh, I, I'm going to be pessimistic on this, and I, I don't think that they'll allow it. I think they'll actually just, like, block it off because you just don't know how many people are going to show up. Like, if there's, like, three or four people there, like, I don't think they would mind. But the, the just the X factor is that you just don't know how many people are going to show up to any game, right? So, if let's say you have a few, like, a, you know, like, 50, 60 people up there. Like, it, it's, it's like, it's a, it's a decent-sized space, but it's not meant to, like, have that many people. And you can't definitely, you definitely can't socially distance with that many people up there. So, I don't think that they'll allow it. Um... And that's probably going to go... If so, will you join? I probably won't because, I mean, you and I, Andy, if this season happens, most likely we'll be in the, like, press area box, whatever they deem is whatever that happens to be, if it happens. Uh, But, I mean, if you were a fan, what would you do, Andy? Just like a fan in the stands. I would get a tent. (laughs) Build, like have a tent be in the woods by myself somewhere and fly a drone overhead and watch on my drone <laughs> there's no chance you're getting me on Taiwan Hill this year <laughs> sounds like a great way to get COVID-19 right there yeah there's just no way I mean picture 20 people up there and then oh hey it's billy boy bob and he spills his beer and runs chasing down the hill and bumps into you and great now now your social distance is gone or somebody slips or dude it's just like man it's too bad it's a great idea it is you, you did a great job of pointing out how unique it is that we have that and didn't even think about the fact that we might even be in the press box, which would be really interesting. I was thinking it might be interesting to have like one fan per row. Could you imagine like <laughs> just having so what there's like 20, let's say you had like 30 fans and 15 of them were for the other team and 15 of them were for Cal. It's, and it's, like, the, <laughs> it's like the NCAA March Madness stuff where you see like the like, you know, the 30 fans that they decided to like actually pay for flights to come in. You know what I'm talking about? Like for each school, yeah. like even at the Pac-12 uh, in Las Vegas, it's like like a group of 30 fans behind the the bench, like next to the band from each school. Yeah. Uh, you you barely hear yeah, them on yeah, the broadcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's basically that. I I think the the thing the thing with fans in the stands that's like the hardest thing I think from a logistical standpoint is not the fact of spacing them out in the stadium. I think that's the easy part. The harder part is what if you what happens when you get a log jam of people coming in and out of the stadium and for like concessions restrooms right the, that's the hardest thing the the mm-hmm. actually like picking out which seats and dissing them that's actually the easiest part um the other parts are stuff you just can't control so all right that's it for this podcast uh, you can find us at golden Bearcast on twitter um on twitch uh where we'll be streaming some ncaa 14 football games soon once uh, the update catches up and running 
And uh, you can get at me at Rob11HWNG. You can find Andy at... Andy J. Beast Mode, sometimes. You can email us at uh, goldenbearcast at gmail.com, or you can even join our Discord channel, uh, Golden Bearcast. Just tweet at the Golden Bearcast Twitter account, and we'll uh, send you the link to, to hop on. Uh, but that's it for us, and as always, go Bears. Go Bears. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.